While Jesus came so that we can have a more abundant life, experiencing this life requires our cooperation. This message is the first in the series, I Will Overcome. The message is entitled, See the Rewards. Here is Pastor Dalo Shields. Grab your Bible, as I said, we're going to take a look at a new series of messages entitled, I Will Overcome. We're involved in a larger series this year entitled, Made for More. We're talking about the more life that Jesus has planned for you and me. Jesus made a statement during his earthly ministry that really described his purpose for your life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the thief, that's the devil, comes to steal and kill and destroy. He said, but I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. That little phrase, more abundantly, is not just an abundant life, but a more abundant life. Jesus made you for more than just an average life. Jesus made you for a life that is rich and full and meaningful, as we'll talk about as we get into our particular topic today. Jesus designed you for more, more than just the average person, more than just the average experience. There's a life in Christ that can only be discovered in relationship with Him. And for us to experience that, there are choices that you and I need to make. We have to cooperate with God, not God never forces His will upon us. He waits for us to cooperate with His will by the choices that we make. And we've been talking about some of those choices as a part of this series, the choice we started with in the first part of September last year, the choice to, I will not settle for less. God made me for, I'm not going to settle for a life that is less than the full life that Jesus designed for me. Then we talked about going deeper. I will go deeper. The importance of establishing some depth in your relationship with God, foundational depth. Then we talked about recently the topic of I will grow stronger, the importance of establishing spiritual strength. And now we move to the topic of overcoming. The choice is I will overcome. I will be an overcomer. God designed you in your life to actually be an overcomer, to overcome things that have held you back. All of us in our life right now have things that are limiting us. Things in your life right now that might be called weaknesses or maybe even spiritual strongholds or things that perhaps have tripped you up, habits that have been hard to break, patterns that have been hard to shake in your life, just things that have kept you from being all that God wants you to be. You kind of get to a place and something sort of holds you back. Something is, is really not allowing you to flourish in the full dimension of who God wants you to be. And they're, they're often referred to, as I mentioned a moment ago, words strongholds, things that have a strong hold upon your life that you and I need to conquer and need to overcome. And overcoming is not just a one-time event. It is a process. It's something that we do through our entire life, learning how to be an overcomer. It's a commitment to grow, a commitment to address things in your life that need to be addressed. To help us to understand this whole topic of being an overcomer, I'm going to give us a little bit of a history lesson today. Most of you know that I really enjoy history, especially uh, biblical history, and I especially love the history of the Old Testament because it really does point us to so many understandings in the New Testament. So we're going to talk for a little bit today about the history of Israel and how Israel experienced the coming out of the exodus out of Egypt. Uh, crossing over the Red Sea and heading toward the promised land. So let me give you a little bit of a geography lesson here just for a moment. So excuse my lack of artistry here, but I'm going to do the best that I can. We're going to put Egypt right over here. And this is where the children of Israel were for a period of time, actually 430 years. They were in Egypt serving as slaves there to Pharaoh and all of the taskmasters that were there. And then God raised up a man by the name of Moses. 
And Moses came into Egypt, spoke to Pharaoh, and said, Let my people go. And of course, there was the exodus out of Egypt across the Red Sea. It was a great miracle that happened. But when God brought them out of Egypt, his plan was not just to simply get them out of Egypt. His plan was get, to get them into the promised land. So let's go over here and let's just put the promised land here. Okay, this is the promised land here. We've got the Sea of Galilee and we've got at the top of the promised land here. And we've got the Jordan River and we've got the Dead Sea here. And here is Jericho and Jerusalem is here. And so we've got the, the journey to the promised land. So this is the promised land over here, okay? Now the children of Israel came out, came across the Red Sea, and once they crossed the Red Sea, they were delivered. They were no longer slaves. They were free. They were saved, if you will. They were delivered from the hand of Pharaoh, much like you and me. When you and I accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives, we are the slavery to sin is broken. We have experienced a liberation. We are now free to live in Christ. And so they had experienced this liberation, this freedom, and God took them down to a place called Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God gave them the law, the, the moral law, the Ten Commandments. He gave them the ceremonial law in terms of how they were to worship and gave them civil laws as to how they were to relate with one another. And so all these laws were established at Mount Sinai, but God's plan was to take them into the promised land. He wants to get them there, so he's giving them the rules, if you will, to live by so they can be successful in the promised land. Now, as a part of this journey coming out of Mount Sinai, God wanted to directly take them to the promised land, and Moses sent 12 spies into the land to check it out. I'm giving you a very condensed portion of this history. And the 12 spies go in and look at the promised land, and 10 of them come back and say, you know what, this is a nice land, but there's too many giants there. There's no way that we could do it. And so they rejected God's plan to take them into the promised land. And God said, because you rejected this, what's going to happen is that all of you that are 20 years and older, you're going to die in the wilderness. Only two of you, the two that had a good report about the promised land, Joshua and Caleb, they will, only, they will be the only ones that will survive and go into the land. And so, of course, we know the story. Instead of going into the promised land, the children of Israel end up in the wilderness for how long? 40 years. So for 40 years, they're wandering around in the wilderness. They're down in this deep wilderness area. It's a horrible experience for them. They're surviving by God's grace because God provides them manna by day and a cloud of fire by night and a cloud by day to guide them. And, and he's taking care of them in their wilderness experience. But God's plan was to get them where? Into the promised land. Eventually Moses dies, 40 years passes, and Joshua becomes the leader of Israel, and it's time for them now. All the old generation has passed away, so it's time for them to go into the promised land. So they end up on the eastern side of the Jordan River, ready to enter. Now one thing that's very important to note here, everybody with me so far, okay? One thing that's important to, to realize is that when they were in the wilderness experience, they really only had a couple of major, major battles while they were in the wilderness. Only two kings that they had to defeat, as far as we know. They had some other skirmishes along the way, but they didn't do a lot of fighting in the wilderness. It was not a warfare situation. They were just barely existing. There were not a lot of things they had to conquer, if you will, in the wilderness, their basic experience in the wilderness was survival. You don't go to the wilderness for a battle. You go to the wilderness to survive. You're living there just barely making it day in and day out. So there's not a lot of warfare going on. 
But God reminded them that when you go into the promised land, you're going to need to be prepared for something that you haven't been well prepared for in the past. You've got to be ready for warfare. Say that with me. You've got to be ready to fight. Because while you only had two kings that you had to do battle with in these 40 years in the wilderness, when you get into the land of promise, there are seven nations that have to be driven out. It's not going to be a cakewalk. It is not going to be easy. And there will be 31 kings that you'll have to defeat. So two kings in the wilderness, 31 kings in the promised land. And he says, if you're going to capture this land, and this land is going to be yours, you have to learn how to be a fighter. You have to learn how to overcome. You've got to roll up your sleeves and realize that this land's not just going to come to you automatically. You're going to have to fight for it. You've got to do something that goes after it. You're going to have to make a decision that you're going to occupy this land. And the same is true for you and me in our spiritual journey. That we come out of Egypt, if you will, our life of sin, saved by the grace of Jesus Christ, learning something about the law of God so that we can now go into the promised land. But as we enter our promised land, there's some battles that have to be fought. And in your life today, there are things in your life that are battles, that are strongholds, that you will never fully occupy the promised land that God has for you until you're willing to fight them. Until you're willing to rise up and say, I am tired of this limitation in my life. Or I'm tired of this stronghold of the devil in my life. I'm strong. I'm tired of this habit controlling me. I'm tired of these patterns being a part of my life. And only when you get tired of this and so tired that you're ready to fight to overcome that, that an overcoming spirit begins to grab hold of you, begins to be something that you become in life. Only then will you occupy and, and experience the fullness of the promised land that God has for you. You've got to conquer the territory. Amen? You have to learn to be an over comer. So as I was thinking about the beginning of this series, and all throughout the series, we're going to talk about what does it mean to overcome? How do you do this? What's engaged? What, what, what's involved in the process? As I was thinking about it, I thought, what is the first thing that I need to do? What, what's the most important thing that I could do in the beginning of this series together for all of us? What would God want to do with us this weekend? And I felt the Holy Spirit prompt me just this past week. Actually, I ended up changing my message this past week. The message I'm preaching you was not a message that I actually didn't plan to preach as a part of the series. But I felt the Lord, the Holy Spirit, prompt me and nudge me to encourage you today to become a fighter. Amen? That was the, if I can give you one word today, one phrase today, I felt the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for some people to be encouraged to be a fighter. There's some things that are that are prevailing against you in your life that do not that no longer need to prevail against you. It's time to rise up and overcome them. And what will enable you to become a fighter? Part of what enables someone to fight is to see the rewards of doing so. That when you realize that if I will begin to fight, this is what's going to happen in my life. And that awareness of the rewards often is enough motivation to stir you up to begin to get up and say, I'm going after my promise land. I'm not going to live in the wilderness any longer. How many of you are tired of your wilderness? Amen. Okay. I don't want to live in the wilderness. I want to go in the promised land. So I'm going to share with you seven things today that are rewards of people who overcome. And we're utilizing 
two chapters in the, in the New Testament, the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, where Jesus gives seven messages to seven different churches. This is the, re- the resurrected, ascended Jesus speaking to the apostle John while he's on the Isle of Patmos and he's giving them some letters that are to be delivered to seven different churches. And in each of these churches, he talks about overcoming. So I'm going to share with you seven things that are the rewards of overcomers. Number one, the first thing is that overcomers experience a fuller, richer life. Overcomers experience a fuller, richer life. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, this is a letter that was written or given to the church at Ephesus by Jesus. I want to ask you to read together with me, aloud and loudly at all of our campuses. Let's read together. Here we go. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to him who, circle that word on your notes, to him who overcomes, what happens to that person that overcomes, here's the promise, together I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Here Jesus says, if you will learn to overcome, you're going to eat of the tree of life. That is, you're going to experience a fuller, richer life than you could imagine. The tree of life was one of the trees in the Garden of Eden. It was a tree that Adam and Eve would partake of to sustain the life that God had given them, this wonderful relationship with God. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tree that God said, stay away from. But the tree of life was there to symbolize the reality of the greatness and fullness of life that God could bring. And I want you to know that when you make the decision to start fighting some enemies in your life that have held you back and say, you know what, I am tired of the wilderness, I'm going to the promised land, when you rise up and say, I will overcome, there is something that will happen in you that you will experience a fuller, richer life than you've ever imagined. It is very satisfying to know that you've left the desert. It is very satisfying to know that you're stepping in to a promised land for your life, that you're now saying, I am going to conquer those things that have been hindrances in my life. I'm going to conquer those things that have been weaknesses. I'm going to conquer those strongholds. By God's grace and power, I will live in the wilderness no longer. The second thing, overcomers avoid unnecessary life pain and destruction. When you become an overcomer, you avoid some things that you perhaps have in your life right now. Many times we have in our lives pain that is created by our dysfunctions, pain that's created by our our own limitations, by our own weaknesses, by things we've never really been willing to address in life. And so overcomers begin to avoid unnecessary life pain and unnecessary destruction. Revelation 2, 11, this is to the church at Smyrna. Let's read this together. Here we go. He who has an ear... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who, what's the word again? Overcomes. Circle it again on your notes. So here's the promise to he that overcomes. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now, the obvious uh, application of this verse, Jesus is speaking of, those that overcome not being eternally separated from God and the life that is to come. But there's, there's an application for you and me as well. He who overcomes shall not be hurt. That is, you can avoid some pain in your life by becoming an overcomer. One of the wonderful ministries we have here at our church is the ministry called Celebrate Recovery. 
And Celebrate Recovery is a, is a ministry all about recovering from hurts, habits, and hang-ups in life that have kept you down, that have bound you up. And I've watched over the years people who've been living in all kind of pain, created by their own decisions, created by their own dysfunctions in life, come into Celebrate Recovery and discover the principles of God, the, the way to live those out in life, and begin to experience a, a, a deliverance from unnecessary pain and unnecessary destruction. You know, we have enough pain in life already. We don't need to be causing our own pain. Amen? And so when you learn to overcome, you're pushing pain, certain parts of your pain in life to the side. You're overcoming it. Number three. Overcomers discover spiritual resources and develop a more secure spiritual identity. Overcomers discover spiritual resources and discover or develop a more secure spiritual identity. Revelation 2, 17. This is to the church at Pergamum. Let's read this one together. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who? What's the word again? Overcomes. What's the promise? To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and the stone, and on the stone a new name written with no, which no one knows except him who receives it. Overcomers in life, here's what you need to see, that when you rise up and say, I'm not going to live in the wilderness any longer, I'm going to head into the promised land, I realize there are going to be some battles associated with this, but I'm ready to fight whatever battles that are necessary to conquer this stuff because I want to occupy my promised land. When you begin to rise up as an overcomer willing to fight these battles, you will discover resources you never discovered before in your relationship with God. You'll discover how powerful God is. You'll discover the promises of God like you've never known before. There is a hidden manna of God that you discover when you begin to press into God for victory. There is a revelation and a release of fresh resources in your life. And also, it changes your identity. As long as you live under the grip of your failures, under the grip of your weaknesses, under the grip of your strongholds, under the dominion of your dysfunctions, when you live under these kind of things, it always presses you down and your identity is associated with your issues. Your identity is associated with your problems. You live as a victim of these things. And I know a lot of people, even Christian believers, who are still living victimized by, you know what, I can never get beyond this. I can never overcome that. I've always been this way. It's always been who I am. It's always been my personality. We make all these excuses. This is the way my dad was. This is the way my mom was. Well, my granddaddy was like this. We have all these different excuses that keep us down. We identify with failure rather than identifying with victory. And what God says is when you rise up to say, I'm going to be an overcomer, there's a change in your identity that you begin to identify not as a victim, but as someone who is victorious, okay? And it changes inside of you. There's a transformation. There's a big difference when you stop thinking of yourself as a victim to whatever it is that is holding you down and realizing that in Jesus Christ, you can conquer, you can overcome. There's a new identity there. Let's go to the next one. Number four. Overcomers become positive leaders and influencers for others. Revelation 2.26, the church at Thyatira is the letter that's being given here by Jesus. Let's read together. And he who, help me out church, he who does what? Circle it again. He who overcomes. What's the common word we're finding here? 
Overcomes. He who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him, what's the promise? I will give power over the nations. That's influence. That's leadership. Overcomers become positive leaders and influencers for other people. You were created to be a leader. You were created in some sphere of life to be a leader. You say, well, you don't know me, Pastor. I'm not much of a leader person. Well, there's some realm of life, there's some sphere of influence that you have that God wants to use you to lead others forward in, to be a positive influencer in their life. And let's broaden it out in a greater dimension in terms of the world in which we live. The world in which we live desperately needs a church that is rising up victoriously and making a declaration that we are overcomers in Christ. See, our world needs some answers. Amen? And I will tell you that the economists aren't going to solve the issues of our world. The politicians are not going to solve the issues of our world. What the world needs today is a strong church filled with people who are overcomers. Because then we set a lead to others. We say, follow us as we follow Christ. We make an influence in the culture around us. We become ambassadors of Jesus Christ. And I will tell you that what God wants you to do in life is he wants you to move out of your wilderness and begin to conquer some of this garbage that has been holding you down for decades. For some of you, there are decade after decade that you've been held down by stuff in your life, habit patterns and ways of thinking and aspects of life that have held you down and held held you back and God says it is time to break this stuff in your life why not just for you but because I want to use you to be a blessing to others and there's a limit on your leadership right now there's a limit on your influence right now because there's a there hasn't been a breakthrough in that dimension of your life it's true in your family you need to lead your family parents you need to be an overcomer you know why because your kids need to learn what it means to overcome if you're not an overcomer, they can't learn the value and the power of overcoming. Number five, overcomers experience increased favor with God. Is this helping anybody today? Overcomers experience increased favor with God. Look at Revelation 3, 5. This is a church at Sardis. Read together with me. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Overcomers experience increased favor with God. God says, if you're an overcomer, I will confess your name. Let's talk about favor for a moment. What is favor? Favor is demonstrated delight. That's what the word means, demonstrated delight. And when you study the Bible, you see that God places his favor upon people at times. The favor, really, of God is described, perhaps, as the, the tangible evidence that a person has God's approval. It's really what it is, the tangible evidence that, that someone has the approval of God on their life. That's favor. The Bible says of Jesus, as he was growing up in the, in, in the, in, in, in the house of Mary and Joseph, that he increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Jesus increased in favor. Okay? The Bible speaks of, of Samuel, as he was growing up in the house of the Lord, that he increased in wisdom and in stature, in favor with God and in favor with man. And so there's a dimension of favor that you and I need in our life to accomplish all that God wants us to accomplish. Now, the favor of God is not... Is, is different from the love of God, okay? When we talk about God favoring you, we're not talking about 
that God loves some people and favors them and doesn't love other people. No, God loves all of his children the same. Amen? You'll never be loved by God more than you're loved right now. God loves all of his kids the same. But when you and I decide to live according to God's will and God's word, and we decide to be an overcomer, as we saw here in this passage, God's, God manifests a favor on your life. God gives you a tangible evidence of his approval in your life that allows you to experience things that you could not experience otherwise. The favor of God can do for you what you could never do for yourself. It's a favor of God. Now, again, does that mean that God loves you more than someone else? No. Let's use this illustration. If you're a parent here today, you have multiple children, you know that you love all your children the same, don't you? Right? No, no matter what they've done, who they are, if you're, a, if you're a parent, you love them all the same. You love all your kids equally. Okay? However, if one of your children comes to you and says, Dad, you know what? I just want to understand your heart and I just want to be the best son or daughter that I can be. And I just want you to know that I'm just so open to your correction. Anytime you want to tell me what, you, what I need to know in my life, just please tell me anytime. And just help me to be the, the son or daughter I want to be. I just want to obey you. How I many know? And your other kid is a rebel. Okay, right? Which one gets the favor? Right? Do you love the other one more? This one more than the other? No, you don't. But there's a positioning of an attitude that gets you favor. That's what you've got to understand. Favor is a very real thing. It's not about love. It's about positioning yourself for, the, for attracting the tangible approval of God in your life. And so when you and I learn to be an overcomer, we attract the favor of God that does things for us that otherwise we could never do. Number six. Overcomers are God's go-to people. Revelation 3, verse 12. This is the, to the church at Philadelphia that's being written here. That's not Pennsylvania, by the way. This is the other Philadelphia in Asia Minor, okay? Read with me. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God, and I will write on him my new name. A lot of things we could talk about in this verse. I'm going to emphasize one thing. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar. Pillars, what are pillars? Pillars support, pillars are steady, pillars are stable, pillars are unmoving. They're a central part of a building. Pillars can be counted on. And the Bible says here that he who overcomes will be a pillar in the temple of my God. Pillars represent the kind of people that God can build things with. Pillars represent the kind of people that have attracted the confidence of God, that they have now said, I'm no longer living in this wilderness experience, accepting things as they are, wandering around with my life. No, I realize there's some enemies in my life that I need to conquer, but I'm going to rise up and be an overcomer. I'm going to do what I need to do to conquer these things in my life that need to be conquered. And God says, okay, that's awesome. What I want you to know is that as you're doing that, I know I can count on you. You're the kind of person that I can build stuff with. So when God gets ready to do something in the world, when he gets ready to build something, what kind of folks does he look for to build it? He looks for overcomers. 
When he gets ready to build his church, he looks for someone who has an overcoming spirit. When he gets ready to build something of his kingdom, he looks for, they're the go-to people. He says, where can I find someone who is an overcomer? Number seven, seventh thing here. Overcomers discover more of the greatness of God's power. Revelation 3, 21. This is to the church at Laodicea. To him who overcomes. There it is again. Seven times we've seen it. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. That's the phrase I want you to get. And I also, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. Jesus says, if you will overcome, you will be able to share with me a dimension of my authority. See, a throne represents a place and position of authority. It is a place from which authoritative power is proclaimed and authoritative power is executed. See, when a king gives a statement from his throne, it is executed. There's no question about it. It is executed. And so Jesus says to those who overcome, I'm going to give you the opportunity to experience the same kind of authority that I have demonstrated through my ministry in life. What does that mean? We know that Jesus, as he submitted himself to death on the cross, Philippians chapter 2 tells us that God gave him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So God exalted him to a position of authority and power. And his name is the name that is above every name. Amen? And he has given us his name to use. That we get to utilize his name. When you and I pray, we pray in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it is our access point to God. It is our positioning of authority that we even have the right to pray. That God says, now you can approach me in the authority of Jesus' name and I will hear you. You can approach me in the authority of Jesus' name and I will answer you. Now here's what I want you to see. When you become a person who says, I will overcome. I'm going to be an overcomer. I'm going to conquer these things in my life that have been around for way too long. I've been wandering around in some of this wilderness stuff for far too long, and I'm going to conquer some of this. Jesus says, okay, now you're going to discover the authority that is in my name. You're going to discover that when you rise up and no longer lay down under the, 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 the grip of the adversary, when you rise up, you will discover that there is power in my name than you, that more so than you've ever realized in your life. There's an authority that comes, an awareness that comes. Now look at with me, if you will, to the last passage that we're looking at today in Romans chapter 8, verses 37 through 39. Just about done. It says, being, a, being an overcomer is something that God will help you to become and it's something He wants you to become. Look at Romans 8, 37. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors. Same Greek word that's used there that was used in the other passages we looked at. The word is overcomer. I'll talk more about that word in a moment. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The phrase I want you to note there is more than conquerors. A few moments ago, as we were reading in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, we, what was the word that was found in all seven of those passages? Okay, it was the word overcome. 
That Greek word is the word nikeo. Overcome. Revelation chapters 2 and 3, over and over again. Who overcomes? He who, nikeo, nikeo, nikeo. When Paul comes to this passage in Romans chapter 8, verse 37, he said, I know that in all these things that you are more than conquerors, he added a prefix to that word, and the Greek word that's used there in the text is, you are more than conquerors, you are hyper nikeo. Say that with me. You're hyper nikeo. Hyper means over, and nikeo means overcomer. So what was Paul saying that we are? We are to be over, overcomers. Hyper nikeo. Now if you'll look closely at this word, you will recognize a word that you perhaps see very regularly. What is that word? Nike. Anybody ever seen that word before? You recognize the swoosh? That's where the term Nike comes from, okay? It's the word for triumph. It's the word for conqueror. It's actually Nike refers to a Greek goddess that was the goddess of victory. And so when they determined the name for that particular company, they identified it with a concept of victory. That's why you love to wear Nike products. Because when you put them on, you feel like a champion. I mean, you, you, haven't, you haven't run in 40 years. But you could if you wanted to, if you have your Nikes on, right? Right? I mean, you, you, you're having, I mean you, you, you just put it on, and all of a sudden, you feel like, yeah, I could do that. I can do that. Whatever, you know, you just identify... With a mindset of victory, they're not really selling you a product, they're selling you a mindset, okay? They're selling you the fact that you can be a champion too. That when you wear that swoosh on your shoe, or on your t-shirt, or on your jacket, that all of a sudden it elevates you to a level that is outside of reality. What I want you to see here today is this, that when Jesus says to you, or when Paul said, and what Jesus said in his overcoming statement in Revelation 2 and 3, and what Paul said, and you are called to be more than a conqueror, hyper nikeo, there's this sense that God says to you and me, it's time to put your Nikes on, okay? It's time to put a new dress on, a new dress up in the sense of no longer living under the grip of these things that have held you back for so long, but you're going to put on the armor, you're going to put on the, 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 the apparel of someone who is victorious and say, you know what, I am tired of living under this stuff, I'm not going to do it any longer, I will rise up, I will conquer, I will not simply be an overcomer, I will be an over-overcomer, I'm going to live as a hyper Nikeo, amen? So the thing that God wants to put in your heart today, yes, the thing that God wants to put in your heart, I hope that I can accomplish, this is my number one goal today, if I don't accomplish anything else with this, I want there to be a fight that begins to rise up in you. I want you to get tired of your wilderness. 
I want you to get tired of these seven nations that have been dominating your life. I want you to get tired of these 31 kings that have been telling you what to do throughout your life and holding you down. Oh, are you a Christian? Yes, you're a Christian. No doubt about it. These folks were saved. They were out of Egypt, but they still weren't in the promised land. And God's plan for you is to get you out of your wilderness into your promised land, but you're not going to get there unless you're willing to be a fighter. There's got to be something that rises up in you that says, I am not going to live this way any longer. God called me to be hyper Nikeo. Amen? So put on your spiritual Nikes and realize it's time to conquer. There's great rewards when we do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. We're grateful for the privilege of being able to study the word of God and know that you have called us to be more than conquerors in you. And I pray today in the name of Jesus that 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 one seed would find its way deep in our hearts. Lord, pastorally today, I feel like the one thing you've put in my heart is to encourage each one of us to say, we're not going to lay down in the face of this garbage any longer. We're not going to lay down in the face of the strongholds of the adversary any longer. We're not going to let these things intimidate our lives any longer. Lord, we thank you that you've called us to be hyper Nikeo, that we're going to be more than conquerors through you. And I pray that you would infuse us with that reality, with that truth, with the power of the Holy Spirit to live in an overcoming way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with Himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God, and we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that, that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward in Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ. And to do so, you need some help. You need to learn how to live your life for Jesus every day. We'd like to provide for you. In fact, we have available for you some resources that you can get from our website, church-redeemer.org, that will help you to get a good start in your relationship with Jesus Christ. So again, check out the website, church-redeemer.org. Find those resources that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus.
If you've prayed with the pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to www.church-redeemer.org slash newbeginnings. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.